My name is Parker Johnson, and you have tuned in to the Midweek Devotional for Wednesday, May 27th. I greet you in the peace of Christ. Our topic today is peace. Wouldn't it be nice if we could better experience peace in this season? What is peace? How do we have it? What does it mean? Um, We're going to explore that together today. Before we do, though, let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, we thank you for the peace we have with Christ. Help us, Lord, to experience peace in our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, because I'm married to a wonderful woman, I can have the security to tell you that I like the movie Miss Congeniality. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, in it, Sandra Bullock plays an FBI agent who goes undercover and a beauty pageant to un- un- uncover a plot to kill whoever wins the title. There's a moment in it that really um, has a lot to do with this topic of peace. When asked the question, uh, what is the most important thing our society needs? All the contestants, to a T, answer world peace. You know, world peace is a great idea. Really, it's going to be until Christ comes again that we will not experience world peace. Um, but even if that did happen, even if tomorrow every weapon was destroyed and people forgot how to use rocks to kill each other, would we still enjoy, or would we enjoy at all, what we might call world peace? Well, the answer is, is no, right? Because peace, though, is a word that we might use a lot today. Peace is not just the absence of conflict at least true biblical peace. It is also the presence of a full and rich life marked by the presence and loving care of the Lord. We see this especially in the Old Testament concept of shalom, which literally means peace. It's often translated as peace, but it's more than just our modern concept. It means completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment, It includes blessings and success in one's own undertakings. Indeed, in the Old Testament, uh, two-thirds of the time that this word shalom is used, it described the state of fulfillment, which is the result of God's presence. And that's why there's an element of peace that we can't fully experience until Christ comes again and makes all things new. And we have that perfect experience of being in the presence of God. As Revelation 21 tells us that, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. But that doesn't mean that we can't begin to experience it now. Christ has brought us peace. He is described as the Prince of Peace. We long for peace because we were made for it. Think about the perfect experience of peace that existed in the Garden of Eden before the fall between Adam and Eve, between Adam and Eve and God, and between Adam and Eve and the world. We want peace. Theologians talk about peace really in three different senses, and I want to follow that approach today in our time. Uh, And there's not much here that I'm saying that's original. Um, The three areas we see are peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace uh, with others. Peace with God is one, second is peace within ourselves, and third is peace with others. But but it all really hinges on that first one, right, that peace with God. Uh, There is an element that um, of peace. Well, let me back up. The the only way that we can experience true peace in, in our lives 
is if first if we are at peace with God. There is what's called a, a legal sense of peace. We see this in Romans 5.1. We read there, Therefore, since we have been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The most fundamental problem that we face naturally is that we do not have peace with God. We are not born into this world at peace with God. Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Does that sound like someone who is at peace with God? As transgressors of the law, enmity and hostility exist between God and man naturally apart from what Christ has done. The, the good news is that we can have peace with God uh, because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. He has made peace with God uh, by doing away with the thing that separates us from God, paying for it, and that is the record of our sin. And then as we trust in Him by faith, He declares us righteous. This is called justification. Uh, being declared righteous before God, being pardoned for all of our sins, not by anything we've done, but only what Christ has done and received by faith alone. But one thing we should remember is that this is not a negotiated peace. You think about the peace that, uh, that was negotiated after wars that we have fought as a country, even when it was more unilateral, where there were, someone was sitting down dictating the, the terms of peace. There were two parties that both had a say well, we don't really have a negotiated peace with God because we didn't bring anything to the table to negotiate with. The only thing we have to negotiate with is our sin, the very problem to, uh, that, that needs to be dealt with. And so uh, Christ has come and He has brought us peace. However, however, though as believers in Christ we have peace with God, that doesn't mean that we always have the perfect experience of it. Peace is ours. Legally speaking, or technically we might say forensically speaking, we have peace with God. Christ has paid for the peace. But there are times in our lives when we don't experience the peace uh, that we have with God. We see this for a lot of different reasons. You know, I think the biggest is that when we sin, when we do something we know we shouldn't or don't do something we know we should, we have a guilty conscience. And that, that guilty conscience really is a gift from God. And, and that experience of losing peace when we're running in sin from God is one of the ways in which He brings us back to Himself. We should not expect to experience that peace if we're running in sin. And that, that really bleeds over to the second category. So the first category is we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, the second is that we have peace with ourself. Peace, peace with ourself. You know, I, I want to be careful how I use this language because, uh, you know, we, we see on Facebook and uh, perhaps in the checkout line at Walgreens or Walmart, uh, these books that are just cranked out to get your attention, to get you to buy them, about having inner peace. You know, uh, the idea of inner peace is one that really is an Eastern thought, and it has more to do with letting go of your emotions and not engaging in emotions. Um, the idea that we can just look to ourselves and not to the world, or excuse me, not to the Lord. 
you know, we can't look to ourselves for peace. Why is that? Because we're the problem. Peace has to come from outside of us. And as believers in Christ, uh, Christ has brought us peace, first with God, and then He also helps us as we make peace with ourselves. Think about that. What are some of the enemies of peace in our lives? Really, they are, in a lot of ways, the enemies of joy that we've talked about. I think it was either last week or the week before. You know, should we expect to have peace in our lives, that experience of blessing, peace with ourselves, with our conscience, if if we are running from the Lord? No. We should not experience, should not expect to experience peace in our life if there's something in our life that, that does not line up with the Word of God. You know, if we have very loud and active minds that are full of hatred and bitterness towards relatives or towards friends or to some institution or to the government or a political party, if, if we are fostering that kind of hatred and bitterness uh, in our hearts, we are not going to experience a peaceful life. Why? Because that's not what God wants us dwelling our thoughts on. We have to deal with situations and deal with them. But we can't let our minds be so controlled by something other than Christ and expect to have uh, an experience of a peaceful life, a calm heart, a joyful heart. But sometimes as we struggle with this idea of experiencing peace, that there are some, some other threats to that peace. And, and one of the things that I see a lot in talking to folks is this idea of making peace with our past. You know, the reality is that we all have failed. We all have failed. And sometimes, oftentimes, we have failed big. And sometimes we have a hard time appropriating the forgiveness that we already have in Christ over our past. Sometimes past failures, sins, our track records will keep us up at night or plague us when our minds shift into cruise control. Does that happen to you? What does your mind run to when it just kind of turns off? Is, is it a record of your past? And if you're a believer, the, the very past that Christ has forgiven. I love here the, the words of Paul writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So they are God's words. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Hear that, hear that. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, perhaps that's a great prayer for you. If you're trapped in the past, past transgressions, past failures, or even things that have happened to you, Maybe that's a great prayer. Lord, help me to forget what lies behind me and help me to strain forward to what lies ahead. We can do that because of the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace has come and He has made peace between uh, us and God and He has made peace between us and our, and our track record. Romans 8.1, there's there. You know, I bet you're tired of hearing Romans 8.1. I, I bet I say it every week, don't I? 
Romans 8.1, my favorite verse in all of Scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What great news. What great news. But, you know, we, we can have peace. We can experience peace even in the midst of turmoil. We talked about this last week when we were talking about joy, the difference between joy and, uh, and happiness. You know, happiness is tied to the circumstance. Joy uh, supersedes it. It goes over. It, it's not tied to the situation. You know, peace can be ours in the midst even of hardship. Um, Jesus in John sixteen thirty three tells us this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Well, that's wonderful. We want to have peace. But do you know what the very next sentence says on the words of our Savior, God Almighty? In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're going to have trials and tribulations. There are going to be issues in our life. We're going to have issues with our family. We're going to have problems that arise that we just don't know what to do with. We're going to face temptation and struggle. We're going to face failure. You are going to fail. I am going to fail. At some point, we're all going to, it's going to happen to all of us. But we can have peace in the midst of all of those things because our Savior has us in His hands. We are secure in Him, and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Well, as Christians, we do and can have peace with God and peace within ourselves as we walk our Christian life. And so much of this comes through experience. You know, the reality is that every time I come against conflict, I let that rob me of, or almost every time, most times when I come against conflict, I let that rob me of my joy and my peace. But I'm reminded of the words of Paul, how he, uh, he had to learn contentment. He had to learn um, what it looked like to experience peace in the midst of turmoil. We read this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he, Christ, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now hear this. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had to learn contentment. He had to learn what it meant to be content. Well, we can have peace with God, peace with ourselves. And finally, Christ has come and He has brought us, especially as we think about uh, Christians, He has brought us peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ and then calls us to have peace with those uh, who do not know the Lord. As we think about within the, the um, fellowship of the saints, the local congregation, whether you're part of here at First Pres, our church family, or in another church, um, we, ha- <coughs> excuse me, we have unity with fellow believers. We have it. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body 
and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We have patience already, and now we are called to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What does this look like? Well, we have to pursue peace. You think about the people that you struggle with to be at peace with. Think about the people whom you are consistently butting heads with. Do you think peace will come with them if you do not pursue it? Do you think it's just going to happen? I can pretty much guarantee you it's, it's not. Peace is something we have to work towards. And we're called to have peace with uh, all of our relationships as much as we're able. And that's what Romans 12, 18 tells us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let me read that again. If, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are indeed called in one body, and be thankful. Hebrews 12.14, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Are there those in your life with whom you're not at peace? Uh, it may be that you have a family member, a neighbor, perhaps someone in your church, whether here at First Pres or somewhere else, that that when you think of them, they're only feelings of bitterness and hatred, or perhaps you know that they're really bitter towards you because of things you've done towards them. Perhaps now is the time to pursue peace. If you've done something to offend them, if you have sinned against them, then now is the time to go and confess your sins to them. Uh, if someone sinned against you and, and it's not one of those slights that you can let love just overlook, then it may be time to go to them and say, hey, You've really sinned against me. You find that in Matthew 5 and Matthew 18. But even as we do that, we have to take a look at ourselves, right? I remember in college, and I'm sure I've shared this with you, that I was complaining about one of my myriad of roommates. I had, had many in college. Uh, one time I lived in a house with five guys in this place, and each year that uh, who was in there rotated over. And I was complaining about some um, roommate to my RUF campus minister. <laughs> and he said, he said, Parker, you're the problem. You know, I'm sure this person's done some things, but, but ultimately you're, you're the problem. The common denominator is you. Um, that hurt, but he was so right. It takes two to tango. And, uh, and, and oftentimes it helps to, for us to look at the situation and see how we've contributed to the problem. And, you know, that can be really disarming when we go to the other person with whom we are not at peace and say, you know, I, I really messed up here. Here are the ways that I contributed to this problem. I'd like to talk about our relationship, and I first want to begin by confessing my sin to you of how I've contributed to the problem. Now, oftentimes, sometimes, I don't know, that can lead them to uh, let their guard down and confess how they've handled it. And sometimes it doesn't. That's where Romans 12, 18 comes in, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, as believers in Christ, we are looking forward to the day, hurtling towards the day in which we will experience perfect peace, perfect experience of peace with God, ourselves, and with others, both in the church and out of the church. Um, 
And that's ultimately upon our death as we enter into heaven and then uh, finally when Christ comes back and makes all things new. Until then, we are called to grow in peace. Um, it is a fruit of the Spirit, or it's, it's an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So how do we grow in peace? Well, the first is, uh, is, is really the one we've been talking about with every one of these aspects, and that's through spending copious amount of time in God's Word and prayer. The main way in which God grows us spiritually is through His what are called the means of grace, the Word, sacraments, and prayer. If we desire to grow spiritually, if we desire to grow in patience and joy um, and peace, if we want to grow in these things, then we have to pursue it as we pursue the Lord. And then He uses His Word to change us, to convict us of our sin, to show us our need for grace more and more every day. And He transforms us from the inside out. He transforms us by the renewal of our mind, Romans 12 tells us. We have to pursue it as we keep short accounts with God and with others. And that can start now, right? And if there's something that you're struggling with in yourself, I know several people who I think I could honestly say hate themselves. And I think that's probably the right word. But, but you know, that's not the attitude of God. It's okay to hate sin. We should hate sin. But if Christ has said, I've forgiven you, then we ought to try hard to believe what Christ has said about us. And so we preach the gospel to ourselves daily, right? That I'm accepted by Christ. I'm forgiven by Christ. There really is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that He has brought peace uh, between me and God, me and myself, and me and others. Through all these things, as we pursue peace, we keep our eyes fixed upon our Savior because He is the one who has brought us peace. Let's pray. So, Lord, I pray for the hearer of this uh, devotional that they would pursue peace. Help me to pursue peace. We thank You for pursuing peace with us when we didn't even want it as we were Your enemies. Thank You, Father, for uh, the sacrifice of our Savior that we might be at peace with You. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.